0: All right, welcome to lesson three of what is the heart. And this lesson, we will begin to break down the definition of the heart. We're entitling this lesson, uh, the heart acting like the mind. And let me remind you or reiterate to you how we came about all this. I have studied this, this doctrine and this topic since late 90s, but really began to make notes on it about 2000, 2001. And uh, would be on job sites as a geologist, and I would take notes in my field journal that I usually use to make measurements on a um, nuclear density gauge. But when I took over our church in 2007, uh, one of my first series on Wednesday nights was the sin unto death, where First John talks about there is a sin unto death, and I would not that you pray for such a one. And so we just began teaching on how people lose their salvation and how they do it by faith. And that invoked a question or provoked a question on that Wednesday night service where somebody said, well, how can you use your faith to go to hell? I thought faith was of the spirit. I said, no, faith is not of the spirit. Faith is of the heart because the spirit and the heart are two different things. And when I said that, it was like I took the biggest John Deere tractor imaginable and I ran over granny's garden. And I felt everybody's heart in that service that night, 14 years ago, 13 years ago they shut down on me and I looked at the clock and it was 8:30 I said and we're out of time because that's how Pastor Vaughn used to wrap up those Wednesday night services and we're out of time and so then we went home and I I was still working at the zinc mine and I said oh god you have got to get me the definition because I have just run over everybody's pumpkins with my combine and they're going to kill me. This is a well taught church, and I'm still trying to establish myself. So, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I sought God. And it was either the end of that week or right before the next Wednesday. I was bottom at the bottom of the 229 stope at the zinc mine. It was with the surveyors. We were picking up some surveys where we had uh, expanded the working heading. And I really was just down there high grade, which means I was going after crystals in the VUGs. So, I was praying. I was always praying. And the Lord gave me. The, the definition that we have been teaching now for 13 years, and as soon as he spoke it to me, I wrote it down, and I instantly saw it all unfold, almost like origami unfolding, and I thought, wow, wow, that's it, that's it, and so then we came back, and we taught it in this church for two years, two years of Wednesday nights, over 100 sermons, an hour and a half apiece, and we built it and established it because this is a well-taught church, and if I'm gonna cross-plow, I better be able to prove it And so the definition that the Lord gave me is what we've been quoting here. We begin to prove that definition because if it's from God, we ought to be able to back it up. And as I told you, there's over 700 verses that that speak of the heart. And there's only about three or four that fall outside this definition. So when you're talking about four verses out of nearly 800 that don't seem to line up with the definition, that's not much of a doctrinal tension. Now, to remind you, the Trinity is a doctrinal tension. There's a lot of doctrine and scripture that produce a tension called the Trinity. We have one God, yet three persons. That's a tension. Uh, We're dealing with four scriptures that I can find on the heart that fall outside our definition, which means four out of almost 800, we're dealing with a non-issue. So this is the beginning of where we start to prove our definition. Our definition being... That the heart is the manifestation of the operation of the soul. That's exactly what the Lord gave me. And then I began to see it. That is, it's the manifestation of the operation of the mind, the will, and the emotions of man, whether born again or lost. The heart is whatever man thinks and keeps on thinking, wants and keeps on wanting, and emotes and keeps on emoting. And what we've proven so far in our other lessons is that the heart is a stewardship, and it's 110% in your control. When the Bible commands you to have a heart for God, it means you can. And you can no longer use the excuse, well, I just don't have a heart for something. Get a heart for it. This lesson will begin to prove the validity of this definition by demonstrating how often the Bible records the heart acting and behaving like the mind. If the heart is the manifestation of the mind, we ought to be able to find scriptures where the heart behaves like the mind. Otherwise, my definition was a figment of my imagination, and I heard some weird vapor or diesel fume down in the bottom of 229, about 1,200 feet underground. But if I can back it up with, say, another 80 scriptures this curriculum, what you got? (laughs) This is important because if the heart is the manifestation of what we think and keep thinking, then changing our heart will be greatly aided by simply changing what we think. You can overcome lust by casting down lustful thoughts. You can overcome vengeance by casting down thoughts of vengeance. And at the same time, you can train your mind to begin to daydream about the things God tells you to think on. And by doing that, create a whole new flavor in your heart. That's why this definition is so important. Conversely, if we allow our mind to wander off God's word and dwell on evil things, we will, in effect, darken our hearts. All you have to do is begin to dwell on a personal um, violation and you'll begin to elicit emotions and anger and wrath and you'll you'll, in effect, screw or drill your heart down into this dark place of unforgiveness, of vengeance and wrath, and it'll take a lot of work to untwist you out of that darkness. That's why we bring into captivity every thought. So, we have a lot of scriptures like we did last week. We're just going to read them, let most of them do their own work. We might stop and say a thing or two about each one. Uh, I, these are by no means all of them, but we have a good two pages of them, two and a half pages of them. So, let's begin. Genesis six five. This is the heart acting like the mind. We are proving the first of our points on our definition that the heart is a manifestation of what you think and keep on thinking. Therefore, we should find scripture where the mind. Excuse me. The heart is acting like the mind. Genesis six five. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The heart is the source of thoughts. And imaginations. Deuteronomy four thirty-nine. Know therefore this day and consider it in thine heart, consider it in thine heart that the Lord He is God in heaven above, and upon the earth beneath there is none else. Judges five fifteen. For the divisions of Reuben there were great thoughts of heart. Much thought went into how they were going to divide up the tribe of Reuben. First Kings three nine. Give, therefore, the serv- thy servant an understanding heart, understanding heart, to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. So an understanding heart helps you discern. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Now, this reminds us of Hebrews five fourteen. But strong meat belongs to them that are full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Uh, Solomon said discern both good and bad. The author of Hebrews said, your heart needs to be able to discern both good and evil. An understanding heart. All right, 1 Chronicles 29, 18. Oh, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, of our fathers, keep this forever in the imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. The imagination of the thoughts of the heart of thy people. Contrast that with Genesis 6, 5. Those people, the imagination of the thoughts of their heart was evil continually. First Chronicles, the prayer is that God would help God's people keep the word of God upon the imagination of the thoughts of the heart. That tells us that the heart is a blank slate and we affect what's written on it. And now let me, I'll probably always come back to Proverbs chapter four in that. It says guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. For out of it issues forth your life. If you don't like the quality of your life, change what you're writing in your heart. There's the old logic equation, gigo, garbage in, garbage out. If your life is garbage, you have garbage written on your heart. If your life is a fruitful garden, You've written fruitfulness on the table of your heart. Your heart is like computer programming. The computer can only do what you program it to do. And your heart will produce your life. Whatever in your life you don't like, it's because it's still written on the tables of your heart. And it can be only on evil continually or it can be on the Word of God continually. And it's totally up to us to control it. We are not Calvinists. We don't believe in hyper-predeterminism. This is not God ordaining us to misery. It's our responsibility. Amen. It's our job to change our life by changing what's on the tables of our heart. And by the way, your life is always changing. Your life is dynamic. It may be you're going around the same mountain because you keep writing the same thing on the same table of the same heart. But even then, you're still going back and reimprinting. Reimprinting. If your life is great, keep writing the same thing and don't get bored with what works. A lot of churches have lost God because they got bored with what was working. Amen. Esther 6-6-B. Now Haman thought in his heart. To whom would the king delight to do honor more than to myself? So Haman was thinking in his heart. He meditated on this. Look at all these scriptures. Remember, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. (laughs) Sometimes I do like to flex my teaching gift and bury people. I would be a horrible coach because if we had a good team, I would run the score up to Utter embarrassment. Because why not? I thought we were of the mindset, go big or go home. I thought we were more than conquerors. What does more than conquering look like? I didn't just conquer you. I more than conquered you. <laughs> <laughs> Esther 7, 5. Then the king Ahasuerus answered and said unto Esther the king queen, Who is he and where is he that durst presume in his heart to do so? So presumptions can come from the heart. Job 17, 4. For thou hast hid their heart from understanding, therefore shalt thou not exalt them. We're looking at examples of our heart acting like our mind because our definition is our heart is the manifestation of the operation of of our mind, will and emotions. This lesson only evaluates the mind. Job 17:11, "My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart." Now, it's not like they don't have an Old Testament word for mind, they do. But this is showing us the heart is the operation of the soul. It's the operation of the mind. Let's stop and inject this thought, and we quote it in a moment. Each of us has 10,000 thoughts a day and some of them are ours. And let me also remind you that this is how propaganda and advertisements work. You're absolutely thinking about nothing but getting home and you see a billboard that says Papa John's. (laughs) And if you're a fan of Papa John's and you're just a little hungry, that billboard worked this biblical principle because now you begin to think it and if you've ever said mm, I like Papa John's pizza you just activated your mind which pulled on your will and your emotions and then Pavlov's little bell started ringing and your mouth started salivating and even though your wife said I'll have dinner ready by 6 30 you pull off and you get you a Papa John's And that discipleship took place in less than one mile because your heart is whatever you think and keep on thinking. And you've already beat a path in your heart to Papa John's 20 years prior. You've been going there for years. That's your favorite place. And you know there might be ramifications if you come home with a pizza and Mama has already been working on dinner and your heart does not care. The thoughts of your heart... That thought was not yours. The billboard put it in there, but then your heart said, oh, but I like these thoughts. Come, be a part of us. Join our collective. We will invite you, and you can do with us as you see fit. But now, if you're going down the road and you're a little bit hungry and you see a sign for the new Vietnamese place, pho thai, and you're like, what is that? Pho thai? Rice noodles? Ugh. Ugh. You keep on driving. So that thought's there, and you cast it down. What? die. Even saying it sounds like rubber bands popping. No. We fought them for something. I don't even know what anymore. It must have been their food. Why would I go give them money now? No, the point is, if you don't know it, it's just a thought that comes and goes. It's not your heart, because you don't dwell on it and dwell on it and dwell on it. But should you stop off and ever eat? a Vietnamese food, you'll say, oh, that might be a little better than Papa John's. Amen. Amen. I actually had a Vietnamese family that I was friends with. Their sisters were lamb, tram, fam, and ham. No joke. And I worked with a guy named Phu one time. He was Vietnamese. Phu Bui. So lamb, tram, fam, and ham. Those are four sisters or four siblings. Nguyen, last name Nguyen. That's like Smith for them. Just so you know, I'm not being racist or picking on anybody. All right. Psalm 1914. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. The meditation of my heart. Be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Really, meditation shows you you've got this thought process really ramped up in your heart. It's really just cranking it out. You're cranking out the thoughts. When you slow down to meditate, you are really beginning to change the direction of your heart. That's why the psalmist said, may it be acceptable. Somebody can cut you off in traffic and you're too busy on the phone, don't even care. But if you're already angry, they cut you off. You'll start tailgating them, flashing your lights at them, riding their tail real close. You're meditating. Now, all of a sudden, you're stewing over this thing. That's why you've got to very carefully control the meditation of your heart. Don't let the doctor's uh, uh, report become your meditation. Hear what they have to say and say, all right, we receive your report. We acknowledge your expertise, but we're going to go home and pray. So I don't need anything else from you, sir. We're going to go home and pray. Because otherwise, it'll start, you'll start to meditate on it, meditate on it, and you'll begin to put instantly more faith in the doctor's words than the Bible you've had your whole life. Isn't it amazing how quickly we divest from God's report and throw it into the doctor? We thank God for doctors. We thank God that they're good. But we, if you don't like what they're saying, believe God and change the report. We be, we're still miracle people, right? Of course we are. I like going to the doctor because it gives me a name to curse to hell. It gives me a name to understand what's my enemy, to, and I can invoke the name of Christ against it. And I'll take every pill they tell me. I'll do every exercise they tell me, but I'm going to couple it with my faith. Amen. Anybody ever beat this before, Doc? Yeah. Then I'm going to be one of them too. The odds are against you. I don't care. More are those that are with me than those that are against me. So you just do your job. Be quiet now. Go visit somebody else. I've got your report. We'll lay that before God like Hezekiah did. Lord, look at the report, and then go to war in prayer. Psalm thirty-three, eleven: The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of His heart—you mean God has a heart? He has a heart, and He thinks in His heart. We talk about the mind of Christ, but just because you have the thought of Christ doesn't mean you have the heart of Christ yet. You can think a biblical thought, but that doesn't mean you have the heart of God. You can think for a brief moment. I think I should forgive them. Nah. And you passed up a perfectly good opportunity to grab a hold of a God thought, if we can call it that, and begin to chew upon it and meditate upon it and give yourself the heart and the mind of Christ. Just like you can have a fleeting demonic thought, but it doesn't mean you have a demonic heart. I think I want to murder them. Nope, I'm going to cast that down. I think I should forgive them. Nope, I think I'm going to cast that down. Listen to me, church. Your life is the product of your heart. And the reason we preach and disciple is to change your life by changing your heart. You just have to be open to having it changed. And if you're not open to having it changed, don't complain about the quality of your life. And don't be upset when you're failing and losing and going nowhere. All right. The thoughts of his heart, God's heart, to all generations. Psalm 49, 3. My mouth shall speak of wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. The meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. We have meditation and understanding in our heart simultaneously. Psalm 64, 6. They search out inequities. They accomplish a diligent search both the inward thought of every one of them and the heart is deep the inward thought of every one of them and the heart we see the heart having deep inward thoughts psalm 66:18 if i regard iniquity in my heart the lord will not hear me there's there's one there's a difference between thinking iniquity and then regarding it in your heart because we're all tempted to think lawless things. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to work today. I don't want to be nice to my wife. I don't want to serve my husband. I don't want to take care of my kids. We all have these thoughts. But what keeps us safe is we cast them down and we don't regard them in our heart. And please understand there's a difference between what you know in your head and what is written deeply in your heart. And the deception of a church like ours, this church can be a tremendous source of deception for you. Because we teach and teach and teach and teach, and you can think just because you know something, you're right with God. 1 Corinthians 8 1 warns us that knowledge puffeth up, and the teaching gift puts forth copious amounts of knowledge. Your job is to take it out of your little head, meditate upon it till it changes the aroma of your heart. Just because you know to pray doesn't mean you have a heart to. Just because you know to forgive doesn't mean you have a heart, too. Just because you know to go to church and be on time doesn't mean you have a heart, too. Just because you know to tithe doesn't mean you have a heart, too. Just because you know what gays do doesn't mean you have a heart, too. Amen. Amen. So please don't be deceived by what you think you know. You have to get it written upon the tables of your heart so that it comes out of you automatically. All right. Psalm one 140. Preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart. Continually are they gathered together for war. What makes them violent? The fact that they imagine mischiefs in their heart. Just because you have a mischief in your mind doesn't make you violent. But once that imagining of mischiefs is an automatic, perpetual thing of your heart, you can't help but become a violent person. Proverbs speaks of the heart over 75 times. Isn't that something? It perhaps, other than Psalms, is the most heart-filled book. Shouldn't surprise us though that Psalms talk so much about the heart because it is the worship book. The book of wisdom also demonstrates that the heart acts like the mind. Again, we're all smart people here because I'm rather intelligent and educated. We tend to draw intelligent and educated people, and that's a good thing. Uh, it, it may be uh, folks who aren't educated or maybe intimidated. Everybody has an insecurity they gotta deal with. So just hear me out because we are a very educated church. We have probably more PhDs in this church than any church I personally know, per capita. There might be a you know, church of 5,000 that has 100 PhDs, but per capita, we, we may surpass it. The Bible says not many wise are called. That's a warning to smarty pants. Please, just because you know doctrine doesn't mean it's in your heart. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean you're doing it. It could be your heart is more set and meditative on why you're exempt from doing what your brain knows to do. In which case, you are condemned by what you know in your brain but refuse to do in your heart. And you're more entrenched on your self-justification and disobedience than you are the very clear-cut word of God. So let us make sure that what we know in our head is really what's in our heart. If we know to do good and don't do it, it's sin. So let's look at Proverbs. Proverbs 2.2. 2, so that thou uh, incline thy ear into wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Apply your heart to understanding. Just because you know something in your head doesn't mean your heart understands it just because you can quote it in the Hebrew or quote it in the Greek doesn't mean your heart understands the application of it for your life. Proverbs 2:10, when wisdom enters into your heart. So not smarty pants in your brain, wisdom in your heart. And knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Knowledge is pleasant to your soul. Proverbs 6:18, a heart that devises wicked imaginations, a heart that devises wicked imaginations. Notice where wicked imaginations begin. It's not just a thought, it's an imagining. You're just sitting there dwelling and meditating. Disney calls their creative people the imagineers because they just always sit around. It's like a think tank. You have to be careful about the meditation of your heart. Feet that be swift in running to mischief, Proverbs 12:20. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil. Deceit is in the heart of them that imagine evil, but to the counselors of peace, there is joy. The counselors of peace is joy. Uh, you can tell how much the Word of God is written in your heart by how much peace and joy is around your life. No peace, no joy, no word in your heart. We might say there's a direct correlation, it's proportional. The amount of word truly on your heart, not just in your head, will be personified and demonstrated by how much peace and joy is in your marriage, peace and joy in your home, peace and joy in your life, peace and joy on your face. When the word of God is on your heart, we squeeze you, your face lights up. (laughs) When the word of God is only in your brain, we squeeze you, and much in your heart comes out. Uh. Look, This is a smarty-pants church. Pastor Vaughn spent a a lot of years trying to humble it. He got into one ditch, in my opinion, and he got into pride over his ignorance. Pride is never acceptable, even if you're ignorant. But there's nothing wrong with being intelligent, but just know the warning of God from Romans. Not many wise, and Corinthians, not many wise are called. So we can be super smart, but it doesn't mean it ever makes it to our heart. Proverbs 14, 33, wisdom rests in the heart of him that has understanding, but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Proverbs 15, 14, the heart of him that hath understanding seeks knowledge. The heart that has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. Proverbs 16, 9, a man's heart deviseth his way, but the Lord directs his steps. The heart is where we devise things and we meditate on it. Uh, Before you do something, you're always thinking about it. Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. This may be the most prominent of the Proverbs on this topic. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Just because you have a lustful thought does not mean you are lustful. Because just a lustful thought is just something that hits your head. But if your heart is always meditating on lust and porn and sex, you're going to be lustful. If you're always meditating on your spouse and thinking on them, you're going to have a heart for them. If you're always thinking on God and how to serve him and not my will but your will be done, that's going to be you. If you're always thinking about how I can forgive and how I can serve and how I can love, that's going to be you. But for some of us, those biblical thoughts are just temptations we cast down. We were tempted to forgive. We cast it down. We were tempted to love. We cast it down. We were tempted to be faithful. Oh, I cast it down. No, what I really am is a pervert full of lust. I don't forgive. That's the real me. Because every opportunity some Christians have to forgive or be clean, they cast it down. For as they think in the heart, that's the real them. Not just think in your head. Please understand the difference. There are glancing thoughts we have, and we say, shut up. And if you could see a bulk of your thoughts as that crazy phenomenon where you stand at the top of a waterfall or a cliff or a building and you hear a thought that says jump, because I think we've all experienced that. I'm kind of, kind of, sort of convinced there's a demon that hangs out at these frequented places and just throw stuff out there to see what'll stick. If you can recognize most of your thoughts are just fleeting thoughts like that, let them just ricochet off your head and be gone. But whatever you grab a hold of and begin to meditate on, it will slowly sift down into your heart, and then you won't have to think on it. It'll just come out of you. They say with linguists, you can, they can tell when they've learned a language when they begin to dream in that language. Because it's no longer mental having to compute, Ohayo gozaimasu. Do itashimashite. Genki desu ka? What am I saying? It's no longer a computation of the brain. It's a natural extension of their heart. And maybe if we can understand doctrine like learning a language, we can learn uno, dos, tres, cuatro, or it can become a natural extension of a heart because we've so meditated on it. Amen. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee. The talk is cheap. It's a positive faith confession, but there's no heart to it. His heart is not with you. Ecclesiastes 8:5. Whosoever keepeth the commandment shall feel no evil thing, and a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. A wise man's heart discerns. Ecclesiastes 9:1. For all this I considered in my heart. The heart makes considerations even to declare all this, Jeremiah 9, 14, but I but have walked after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Uh, this is why we disciple our children. We teach them. We write upon their heart and write upon their heart and write upon their heart. We do this, we don't do that. We serve God, we don't serve pagans. We go to church on Sunday. We don't skip for sports, not for grandma, not for Uncle Bob who's in town. We go to church. We write that upon the table of their heart so that they don't serve Balaam. Because whatever's upon the table of your heart, that's where you walk. We've seen that several times now. People walk after their heart. Your heart directs your path. And all I have to do is look and see where your feet carry you, and I know what's really in your heart. I can see what mountain your feet circle, and I know it's still in your heart no matter what you know to say with your mouth. People walk after the imagination of their heart. And at some point, we totally tune out the word of God and we feed on our own imaginations and justify it. And anytime God or his man or his word wants to drop a better thought, we kick it out because my centrifuge is already spinning and there's no room for God in this. I've already determined what I'm going to do. And you don't understand, I can't obey God. So you just keep circling the same mountain until death do you part. They walk after the imagination of their own heart and after Balaam, which their fathers taught them. Uh, What have your fathers taught you? What about your spiritual fathers? What have they taught you, and do you even obey that? Jeremiah 13, 10. This evil people, which refuse to hear my words, which walk in the imagination of their heart and walk after other gods to serve them and to worship them, shall even be as this girdle, which is good for nothing. That was one of those weird stories where the Lord said, Jeremiah, you got a girdle? Don't think about Grandma's girdle, uh, more a big old fancy Bedouin sash. Yeah, take it out to the wilderness, bury it under a rock. I'll show you where. I'll show you the rock. Show you the river. All right, what now? Go back to Israel. Okay, and then like a year later, Jeremiah, yes, Lord, remember that girdle? Not Grandma's girdle. Yeah, go dig it up. He goes and digs it up. Well, Lord, it's good for nothing. Yep, just like my people it got holes in it. It's rotten. Can't even hold nothing together. Remember, it's supposed to be shod with the belt of truth. That's the girdle. When people reject God's word and walk after the imagination of their heart, this loving Jesus looks at you and says, you're good for nothing. Just because you hear my doctrine in your head doesn't mean it's changing your life. You've got to write it on the table of your heart. Jeremiah 16:12, "And you have done worse than your fathers. For behold, you walk everyone after the imagination of his evil heart. Church, are you going in circles? It's because it's what you're programmed to do. What in your life stinks? What in your life depresses you? What in your life are you ashamed of? The reason you're still there is because you've rejected the word of the Lord and have run off of old programming. So the solution is like retard simple. Change what's in your heart by meditating on the truth. And the more you put it in front of you, the more it will be real to you. Do you know how culture changes fashion? It just puts a different pair of jeans in front of us. And when we first see it, we say, that looks so dumb. That looks so dumb. That looks so dumb. That looks, uh, that looks, uh, look at me, I'm wearing it. Look at me, I'm wearing it. Look at me, I'm wearing it. How do car fashions change? That looks so futuristic. That looks so outlandish. That looks pretty good. The car didn't change what you put in front of you did. And we've all got pictures from Olin Mills back in the 80s. And we think some sucker suckered me out of 150 bucks to take those pictures with that hair. The reason our life doesn't change is we keep looking at the same formula thinking it looks good. And yet your own life testifies that, boy, you are out of date. God gave you permission to walk part of that mountain 50 years ago and you've just decided you want to keep circling that thing. We bury Christians all the time that never run their race. Don't be one of them. You have done worse than your fathers for behold you walk everyone after the imagination of his evil heart that they may not hearken unto me. Jeremiah 18:12 and they said there is no hope but we will walk after our own devices and we will do everyone we will everyone do the imagination of his evil heart. Notice Jeremiah's lamentation for Israel is they will not receive new teaching. They will not receive the adjustment. They are already set up in their heart. Their imaginations are steering their feet, and they won't even daydream on the word of God. They won't even consider they might be wrong. Again, think about fashion. Why does grandpa look so out of style? Because he still thinks what he's wearing looks as good as it did 60 years ago. why are you still circling the mountain because you're convinced it still looks good to god it's gone out of style there was a permission to get away with it 10 years ago but god's moved on and you've not stayed current with god therefore the fashion fadeth away and you don't realize you're naked you have to stay fresh in the word of God and let it wash you and, wash you and wash you and wash you and wash you and change the way you think so that your imaginations of your heart can be in line with God's word. Jeremiah 23:17 They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And they say unto every one that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. That's people being convinced by false prophets that they're good to stay in their own way. Jeremiah twenty three twenty: The anger of the Lord shall not return until he have executed, until he have performed the thoughts of his heart. Again, we see the Lord has a heart, and he has thoughts that exude from that heart. In the latter days, you shall consider it perfectly. Daniel two thirty. But as for me, this secret is not revealed for uh, to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation of the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. The word of God will help reveal the thoughts of your heart. Every one of you, your heart has an opinion or a thought when something is placed in front of it. And I'm teaching you and have taught you for years. You've got to be able to learn to hear what your heart says when something's put in front of you. Your heart, just listen, okay? Listen when a a car rolls past you. Your heart will say something about that car. Man, that's a good-looking car. Man, that's a big truck. Man, that's a big homeschool bus. Your heart has something to say about every fashion you see at the Walmart. I did something I've never done before last night. My wife was shocked I did it. I wanted to live in Rome. So I went in Rome, be as the Romans. I went to Walmart in pajama pants. And Birkenstocks without socks on. I don't know if that's good or bad. My wife said, You're really going like that? I said, Honey, we live in Rome. I will be the highest dressed person in Walmart tonight because these are Captain America pajama pants. Have my blue Camp Bioca long sleeve shirt on and my Marty McFly puffy jacket. Nothing matched. And I'm telling you, I rocked that joint. It's Walmart, 9 o'clock on a Saturday night. You know. <laughs> Your heart has something to say about everything. You gotta hear it. Luke 2:19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 9:47, and Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and set him by him. Acts 5, 4b. Why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? That's Peter rebuking Ananias. Lest we think, well, all the scriptures in the Old Testament. Here's a New Testament church service with tongue talkers present and someone about to die during the offertory. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Oh, here's another church service, Tongue Talking, Holy Ghost, Revival, Acts 8:22. Repent, therefore, this is Peter rebuking um, Simon the sorcerer. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. We have to repent of heart thoughts? Yeah, because they're not the fiery darts that are attacking our mind. They're coming up out of us. I don't cast down, excuse me, I don't repent for thoughts I have to cast down. They're not my fault. They're just my responsibility. Thoughts I have to cast down, they are not my fault. They are my responsibility. That random thought that says jump off a cliff, shut up. You jump off a cliff. You go to hell. I'm not repenting over that. It's not my thought. Or, Or whatever crazy thoughts you may have. I don't repent of those thoughts. They're not mine. I just cast them down. But those that come up out of me, and you know the difference. Oh, Lord, forgive me. That's still in me. Father, forgive the thought of my heart. I curse that, Lord. You know, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm working on that. Have mercy, Lord. Thank you for showing me. Let, thank you for letting me hear that. That's how we treat that. These verses are critical to demonstrating that the heart operates like the mind. That is, the heart thinks. The heart reasons. The heart understands. The heart Imagines, the heart considers, the heart discerns, the heart meditates, the heart regards, the heart devises, the heart perceives, and the heart conceives. Remember, part of our definition reveals that the heart is whatever we think and keep on thinking. This is important because it means that by changing the mind, we can change the heart. Therefore, the Bible is very strict on mental discipline. Romans 12, 2. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, these are terms we just saw for the heart for 30, 40, 50 verses. Ephesians 4:23, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So, you've got to be changing that constantly. Philippians 4 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The Bible tells you what you can and can't think on. There is a great lie propagated far and wide now that says you can't control what you think and you can't control who you love. That the the whole heresy, you can't control who you love, that is the foundation of the LGBT defense. I can't control who I love. Yes, you can. Ask any sports fan. They choose the team they pull for. They choose to walk away. Amen. Amen. Choose anybody who's politically active. They choose to support one party, and at some point they choose to walk away and support another party. Why do you think gossip is so prevalent? Why do you think the devil uses it? Because it can help people stop loving. The the hypocrisy of our progressive culture that says you can't control who you love, then why are you trying to teach me to hate people? Why does your media work overtime to turn my heart against things if I can't control who I love? If I can't control who I love, why do you want me to be a part of your political party? I can't control who I love. Why can't they just be consistent in their doctrine? Because there's no faith to it. There's no reality to it. There's no truth to it. You and I know for sure we can control who and what we love. It's just like we can control what we think. But if you don't get a hold of your mind, your life will go to hell and then you will too. We get a hold of our mind. We control what we think. Philippians 4.8 builds a filter of holiness by which we can judge and purge our thought life and maintain a pure heart. Dr. Barclay says we have 10,000 10, thoughts a day and some of them are ours. Ephesians 6.16, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith we, uh, you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. These thoughts are fiery darts. We just quench them. We say, shut up faith speaks. We believe, therefore we declare. Shut up. I'm not thinking that thought. It doesn't line up with the filter of Philippians 4.8. Our mind is attacked every day by the enemy. We use the shield of faith to quench those mental assaults so that we don't soil our heart. You've got to get a hold of your mind. Mind control, last section. The greater implication to our heart definition is that whoever controls our mind can and will steer or even steal our heart. It only took Absalom four years to steal Israel's heart away from King David with pleasant speech and political shenanigans. Whoever has our eyes and ears has access to our thought life and thereby access to our heart. This is why I hate social media this is my doctrine this is what i've studied over 20 years and when social media took off 12 years ago now i saw the instant implication instantly i would say i'm a facebook virgin but i did post on my friend jim fox's facebook a all call for when we went caving it was his account he was driving he said hey put this out there that our call-out time is 5 p.m., and I really was disheartened that I was going to actually have to post something to that scumbag called Facebook. Other than that, I am a Facebook virgin. I have not soiled myself with that perversion. But God gave me this understanding 20 years ago, and I would be a fool to, to know this and let it still work against me. Whoever has access to your eyes and your ears owns you. This is how advertisements, propaganda, indoctrination, and even discipleship work to change who we are. Whatever we think, dwell, and meditate upon will eventually marinate our heart and change its flavor. Can you guys all see how that works? When they put a young recruit into the military, it is intense indoctrination into military protocol. And it works. You can come across military veterans. They will still call you yes sir and no ma'am 40 years later. They still stand at attention. They still stand upright because they caught it. It marinated them in 16 weeks. I've been discipling some of you 14 years. I hate that the Marine Corps is more successful than me. I'm glad they are, but I hate that they are. Once the heart's flavor has been changed, it will produce those thoughts on its own. Once you've got your heart going one direction, it's perpetual. Something can happen, and your heart will say, Lord Jesus, forgive them. And you don't even know where it came from. It just came right up out of you. But that's what you've been putting in you forever. Forever. Now, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Your life is a reflection of what's in your heart. Your failures are the product of your heart. Your successes are the product of your heart. And your heart is controlled by what you think. May we be ever mindful of the thoughts we think and bring into captivity every imagination to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Father, we thank you for this third lesson on Pod School. Bless these that listen in the future. May this doctrine revolutionize people's discipleship, Christian walk, and may they learn how to change their hearts rapidly. May we be able to rapidly shift our hearts into the will of God. Help us, Lord. We thank you for blessing our understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.